Hello, and welcome to this podcast of Sunday Sermons from Concord United Methodist Church. We hope that you'll find this message to be meaningful, insightful, and a refreshing part of your daily walk with God. Please feel free to share this podcast with family, friends, or anyone else who might benefit from it. This podcast is part of the digital ministries of Concord United, and we are grateful that you have chosen to experience worship and God's Word with us. For more information about Concord United and its ministries, please visit our website at concordunited.org. It's me again. You get to hear and see me more than once this today. Um, I want to start by saying this. 357 days ago, but who's counting? Um, I stood here for the first time to preach to the contemporary service, and it has been an incredible 357 days of getting to be part of Concord United Methodist Church. I just want to thank you for your patience and your grace and your support of me and my family. We are very grateful that we get to be part of this community, and I look forward to the months and years ahead. Thank you very much. We are in the midst of a series, um, and I, I once was preaching, someone came up after us go, I didn't, I, I hadn't been to any of the others. When we, when we talk about a series, you don't have to be here for every sermon to get what's going on. It's just a way for us to focus how we speak about who God is and who Jesus is. And we're in a series about crazy stuff Jesus said. And if we're honest, those places where Jesus says crazy stuff are usually the places in Scripture where I go, that must have been for, you know, the context in which it was written. Does it have application? We kind of move past because they're kind of hard to understand. Or we may not want to actually dig into what it may mean. And today... In our reading that we're going to read here in a moment, it's no different. Jesus says for us to hate our mom and our dad and our spouse and our kids and our siblings and even ourselves. And we go, really? Is that really? Some of us are in here going, see, I knew. We're looking for that little way out, correct? But let, let us read. We have... Um, Looked at crazy stuff Jesus has said in Matthew, in Mark, and now we're in Luke, Luke 14. Large crowds were traveling with Jesus, and turning to them, he said, If anyone comes to me and does not hate father and mother, wife and children, brothers and sisters, yes, even their own life, such a person cannot be my disciple. And whoever does not carry their cross and follow me, cannot be my disciple. Suppose one of you starts to build a tower. Won't you first sit down and estimate the cost to see if you have enough money to complete it? For if you lay the foundation and are not able to finish it, everyone who sees it will ridicule you, saying, this person began to build and wasn't able to finish. Or suppose a king is about to go to war against another king, Will he first sit down and consider whether he is able with 10,000 men to oppose the one coming against him with 20,000? If he is not able, he will send a delegation while the other is still a long way off and will ask for terms of peace. In the same way, those of you who do not give up everything, 
you cannot become my disciples. Let us pray. Oh Lord, we thank you for your word, your word that challenges and hopefully convicts us. You know what needs to be said and heard today. Speak through me, to me, and despite of me. In your holy name, amen. Several years ago, I got to walk with a couple through a really challenging part of their marriage. You may have been in this position before or you have experienced it with others. The family looked great on the outside. It looked like life was going well. But behind all of that, that public perception, were these little decisions that were taking place along the way by both the husband and the wife. And there came this moment where it felt like the bottom fell out of their marriage as the wife became aware of secrets and behaviors that the husband was engaging in. While the husband had this great relief because healing was coming, the wife was devastated. The feelings of betrayal, of wondering what is real and what is not real, was very real. And she shared with me about a conversation that the husband and wife had in the weeks following this understanding. And the husband, and this is Brooke's language, it's me paraphrasing. The husband said to the wife, if, if I can just get my life, my behaviors, my thoughts, and my actions aligned with God, then, then it's going to be okay. Like, it's not about making you happy, it's about being aligned with God. Well, let's just say the wife wasn't thrilled because of what had transpired. She had this feeling that he needed to align his life with her, which demonstrates that there was some stuff going on with the wife as well. He wasn't saying that he hated his wife. He was saying, I'm going to put God first, and if I've got God first, the rest of this works out. Jesus uses hyperbole, and we've seen it time and time again in the crazy stuff that he says. He says things with exaggeration. And does he really mean that we are to hate? Or is it more about prioritizing? The part that says you're going to carry your cross, 10 out of 12 disciples would die by execution for following Jesus. Carrying their cross and execution method was not an exaggeration. But what does this mean to us today? It means an opportunity for us to consider what it means to follow Jesus Christ, what it means to be a disciple, and what it's going to cost us, what it already has cost us. So we're going to start in this basic foundational way with a definition. I'm a wordsmith, so I like to look up definitions, but I think it's important because the word disciple is, I don't, just be honest, do you talk in the language of disciple outside of a church setting? We don't go around going, who are you a disciple of? We more go around saying, where do you go to church? That's the language we use. But yet, first and foremost, we are disciples of Jesus. That is who we follow. 
And I love the image of thinking of Jesus in front of me, in front of us, and we are seeking to follow Jesus. Now, in trying to discern a definition, there were a couple of descriptor words that I found very helpful in thinking about following Jesus. Our definition says, a disciple is someone who follows Jesus, which includes believing. Now, for some of us, we almost, it may feel like we were born into believing about Jesus. For others of us, it has come later in life. Maybe it's teenagers or even later. For some of us, we believed in Jesus and life has been hard. And maybe that belief has waned. Maybe we're in a place of questioning and Jesus can handle that. Yet as disciples, as students of Jesus, as followers of Jesus, how are we in that belief characteristic? How do we believe in Jesus? Submitting is another description of being a follower of Jesus. I know, it's that word. I don't like to submit at all. I have a little bit of a competitive nature about me. And so submitting is not something that I like to do. Yet the truth is we submit to someone or something. The question is, who is it? Who has authority in our life? Is it Jesus? As followers of Jesus, as disciples, who are we submitting our lives to? Our daily thoughts and our actions, is it Jesus? What about embracing Jesus? About how, I just love that thought of that being a disciple means that we embrace Jesus. I'm not a big hugger necessarily, but that image of Jesus embracing me and me, him. It's part of following him. Sharing about Jesus means that we talk about who Jesus is in our lives. Let's, let's be honest. I'll talk all day about Appalachian State, the Great Smoky Mountains. I love to talk about that stuff. Yet, are we sharing about what Jesus is doing in our lives, what he has done, what he continues to do, and our faith in what he will do in the future? That is part of it. And a disciple grows. A disciple grows. When we think about following Jesus, when we reflect back on where we were in following Jesus five years ago compared to today, our question becomes, have I grown? Am I growing? And am I seeking to grow? And then a last descriptive word of who we are as followers of Jesus is imitating. Who are we imitating? God's word gives us example after example about who Jesus was, what he taught, and who he will always be. And so who are we imitating? These are questions for us to consider as we think about being a disciple. I'd like to say something else about being a disciple. A dis being a disciple is not about something we do. It's about being. A disciple is a way of being, 
not simply things we do. We are doers. Oh my gosh, we are doers. And we are really good at it. A lot of us are overachievers, type A. We knock out the list and it goes really well. But this following Jesus, this being a disciple, isn't about a checklist. It's about a way of being in our lives, about how we engage with others, how we serve, how we share, how we respond in the midst of crisis. Following Jesus isn't just something else that's on our weekly to-do list, or it's not just a took care of worship today. I mean, some of us are like, well, I'm done, let's go, what's next? Took care of Sunday. Being a disciple, following Jesus, is about day in and day out. It's a way of being through how we are so recklessly loved by God. Another thing about being a disciple is it's a process, not an event. We hear the language, we've said it, we believe it. I gave my life to Jesus. And it sounds like, like this event, like close the chapter, period. Yet that's not what being a disciple is like. Being a disciple is a continual process of following Jesus. In our Wesleyan tradition, we think of it in the three types of grace. The first being provenient grace, that God loves us before we ever love him. First John tells us that, that God loves us first. God doesn't wait for us to love him, and then he goes, well, now we go. It's this provenient grace that God is drawing us to him. It's those times in our lives when we may be like, I, I didn't exactly know what was going on, but I could feel God. It's that provenient grace that leads us to justifying grace. And that's the place where we profess that Jesus Christ is our Lord and Savior. And that's not the end. We don't stop there. We continue in the process of sanctifying grace, that we continue to seek to follow Jesus day in and day out. It's a journey, it's not an event, it's a process. Yet Jesus is clear in this reading that there's some tough parts about following Jesus, about being a disciple. And the first thing about that is that the disciple surrenders. I mentioned, I like to win. The surrendering, the letting go, is very contrary to how I am wired, my nature and my nurture, and let's be honest, it's contrary to our culture. Where in our culture do we see messages of let go and let God? No, the messages I see are take hold and hang on. We get wrapped up in what we deserve, what we are entitled to, what our rights are. And that's really hard because that's not what God's word, that's not what Je Jesus said, the last will be first and the first will be last. Are you kidding me? Where do we see that? That's the surrender part about being a disciple, is that we let go of our way, of what we want. And that's not bad news. That is really, really good news. Because we get to let go of all those things that we hang on to. 
And another thing about being a disciple is we count the cost. Jesus mentions that in the reading. A disciple counts the cost. This is costly, you all. This following Jesus is going to cost us. And that's good news. I posted on social media earlier this week, I posted, I'm preaching on what uh, the cost of following Jesus is. And I asked, what does it cost you? And multiple people responded, it was incredible. One person responded, it cost them the belief that they are in control. Ooh. It costs friendships and relationships because there comes this time as we follow Jesus when we may realize that there are relationships that are causing harm, that it is hard to live following Jesus and be in certain relationships. And that doesn't mean that oh, those people are bad or wrong. It's just about following Jesus. It's about costing something. Following Jesus is probably gonna cost us some time. And if anything, time is not something we have a lot of, it feels like. Though, guess what? There's 24 hours in every day. That I know. But it's about how we organize, how we prioritize our time. It's going to cost. Something's not going to get done. Somebody's not going to be happy because we didn't spend enough time with them. It may mean we say that two-letter word, no, because we're following. We're disciples. We're following Jesus. And it's going to cost us. About 10 years ago, I was introduced to the 20th century theologian, Dietrich Bonhoeffer. Powerful. He was a German theologian in the early 20th century. He was, as I said, from Germany. And he found himself uh, during the beginning of the rise of the Third Reich, he found himself in England, and he had a decision to make. He could stay safe, keep doing what he was doing in England, or he could return to his home country during the Nazi regime. And this is Brooks' words. This is what he said, but it's not a direct quote. He said, if I'm going to be with Germany, when they heal from this, I've got to go be with Germany while they're going through this. Following Jesus, he went to Germany. He led an underground seminary. He also participated in the resistance to Hitler's leadership. It would lead him to jail and death. He would be hanged days before the concentration camp was liberated where he was. He's a 20th century martyr. His following Jesus cost him his life. He wrote a book called The Cost of Discipleship. And in that book, he talks about two types of grace. He talks about cheap grace and costly grace. Cheap grace is this. I'm forgiven. God loves me. Period. And that is true. Yet costly grace is this understanding, this belief that the grace I received cost Jesus his life. It did cost something. And in choosing to follow Jesus one day at a time, it's going to cost me some stuff too. And it's going to be through this reckless love of who God is, about the power of the cross and the empty of the tomb, 
that we seek to follow Jesus one day at a time. So our question becomes, in the days to come, as we prayerfully consider, how am I following Jesus? Am I surrendering? Do I understand discipleship as a process, not an event? Have I counted the cost and am I willing to go? Following Jesus. That's what a disciple is. Jesus wasn't talking about hating people. He was talking about following him. It's a gift. It's an opportunity. And it's the way of Jesus Christ. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Jesus, we thank you. We thank you that you love us enough that you want us to follow you. And that you are with us, that you walk each step of the way as we journey following in your footsteps. May we seek to believe. May we seek to submit. May we seek to grow and embrace and imitate as well as share. May we be about following you. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Thank you for listening to this sermon from Concord United Methodist Church. This podcast is a ministry of Concord United, and we would love to hear from you. To contact us, please send an email to podcasts at concordunited.org with sermons in the subject line. For more information about Concord United, including worship times, service opportunities, mission efforts, and classes, please visit our website at concordunited.org. We also invite you to download and enjoy our daily devotional podcasts presented by the pastors and members of Concord United. Finally, we would appreciate it if you would leave a rating and a review of this podcast so that others can discover it and benefit from it.